You're listening to Geeks Unleashed, a podcast that covers what's current in the world of pop culture. I'm Mark Brassington, and I'm in London. And I'm Jasmine in Texas. Hello, welcome to Geeks Unleashed, this is episode 56. If you are not already subscribed, you can find us at Geeks Unleashed everywhere, including your favorite podcast platform. Remember, five-star reviews help us get found by more listeners, so please rate and review Geeks Unleashed on Apple or Podchaser. And I'm Mark. I'm Jasmine. And this week's review uh, is Treze, season one on Netflix. And spoiler warning, if you have not watched all six episodes of season one of Treze on Netflix, you might want to pause this and come back later. Uh, otherwise, we're about to spoil all of it for you. So how's your week been? You done a lot? Busy. Okay. Oh, me too. I'm actually so tired. Yeah, <laughs> so. I know. Yeah, uh-uh. I was all like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because for those who don't know, we record our podcast on Friday nights. And I was like, oh, a few days ago, I was like, Friday night. I'm probably going to stay up and see how much further I can get in Mass Effect Legendary Edition. But like, once we're done recording, I'm probably just going to like shower and watch a couple of episodes of anime and go to bed. No, a bit like, I know no one can see this is very visual, but these comics arrived this week for me. That was I, like I, 10 comics. Do you have time to read all that stuff? Oh, do you know what? That came through and like, I was like, man, I barely have time. I, I haven't even finished all of last week's. Like, I, don't know, I don't know how, as, as people know, Robbie from the PCP, I don't know how he gets through, like, I don't know how many he reads, 100 books a week or something silly. Like, it's I mean, job. he must not watch any TV. Oh, but then he does watch TV and films. Like, yeah. like what a, man, that guy must have no sleep. <laughs> like he must do like an hour a week or something like that he's like right i'm just going for my catch-up like one hour that's yeah. it so, he, just, he naps he beauty, yeah. it's a beauty nap mark that's all i mean i don't know how like <laughs> i mean that guy's on youtube about 10 times a week he he reads about 100 comics a week he oh man robbie i don't know what you're doing man yeah give like, us the secret to your energy man seriously well, maybe it's the kids, but then again, you don't have kids, so yeah. <laughs> I've got two kids full time, and I'm always tired. So yeah, uh, yeah full time job, but no kids. So uh, but I used to say that before I had kids, always tired. So, <laughs> um, but the other thing that I've been doing this week is um, playing Miles Morales on the PS4. I haven't completed it. I probably played about twenty five percent of it. Nice. Again, again, been busy, and um, by really weirdly. Uh, I finally, like the week before I bought it, I completed the DLC of the um, Spider-Man PS4 game. So I completed the main game ages ago, and then um, I got I had the DLC, and I was like, oh, I can't bother right now because I'm going to kind of take a break. It's the main game, and I haven't and I haven't even done all the side missions. Yeah. And then the week before, I finally completed the Silver Sable um, DLC. Uh, and I was like, oh, I can't believe it. I finished it all. I was like, oh, that's pretty, pretty sad. I was like, then, then it pulls you right back on in. So, so with the Mars Morales game, it actually got us picked right up from the last game. So yeah. uh, it can't, probably, I would say, it's probably set maybe a month or two afterwards. And Peter Parker's like training Mars Morales. Mm-hmm. And um, they're sort of swinging around the city and then they're kind of escorting some of the prisoners back um, through New York. And of course, the transportation goes wrong and the rhino gets out and Mar- and obviously you're playing as Miles Morales, not Peter Parker. So Mar- um, Peter Parker gets knocked out at one point and, and Miles has got to do all the fighting with the rhino. Uh, and it's like, that got, of course, you know, that's happening. And, um, and then 
Peter Parker then says to him that he's got gift for him and he kind of gets a new suit. And then Peter Parker does say to him that he's going away. Um, he's got to leave the city for a month or something like that. Mm-hmm. Because Mary Jane's on assignment somewhere and he's going as a photographer. So he's like, I'm leaving the city in charge. Because I thought to myself, because obviously the game starts with Peter Parker, I thought, well, how are they going to... Because when he was well, well, I thought well when he was knocked out at one point fighting the rhino, I thought are we just going to have it the whole game that he's kind of like I don't know broken a leg or something like that or something like that. You know, um, I thought if they do it like a coma type of thing, it's going to be a bit depressing because Miles will be like, oh, woe is me. Um, but actually, Peter Parker's like, look, um, I'm leaving the city in your care, and I thought it was kind of nice because Peter Parker's like. He actually calls him Spider-Man. He goes, look, the city's your Spider-Man. Like, and um, yeah, I'm sort of paraphrasing that a little bit there. There's a bit more conversation and stuff. But it is pretty cool, like I say. And it seems quite a lot of it's set in Harlem as well. Although you can go anywhere in the city and there are things that do take you mm-hmm. like around the city. And there's one thing as well. They, his, one of his friends, Ganky, is like... I've never read a Miles Morales comic, which I, I'm wholeheartedly regretting now. I'm actually really, I actually, like this week, was thinking I really should read some Miles Morales. Not that I, as we just said a minute ago, I've got time to read any, <laughs> anything else. But, Based on that but, fact uh, that you just well, showed me, yeah. And I was like, oh man, I was like, well, I was actually thinking I really like playing this now. It does make me want to read some Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. Um, although in September, I don't know if you knew this, but Miles Morales is 10 years old as a character. So where do I start? Like, yeah. So well, That but... is the ultimate question when it comes to comics. If you want to jump in and you've never read a character before, the first thought you have is, where do I start? Well, I probably, because there's no way I'm going to go read 10 years comics. So I would probably, so the current current book is around tw- issue 26 or something or 25 so i probably would just go and pick up issue one like i wouldn't mm-hmm. go back i wouldn't go i mean well also i haven't got that kind of as they call it as our as our capital pre- no, no no i was gonna say our previous guest from last week i haven't got that kind of chibata oh uh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of chibata to keep uh, up with all those yeah. comics man oh man to get the mini the first mini series that miles um first appeared in you know you're looking somewhere between 500 to a grand just to get those first first six issues yeah. um that first appearance single issue uh on its own is over a ground sometimes some people sell all six issues together for that same price but damn boy like obviously <laughs> i'm not obviously you can get trade paperbacks you don't have to go and pick up single issues like yeah. that's for that's for people like me that are collectors i love the single issues and um although I I have, tra- i'm trades all the way but I, but I have said to you though i am considering reducing my single issues because sometimes like if you look at the joker for instance like that's four pound an issue um, or something like that right no three pound sixty four pound an issue but actually like when they do a collected edition of like say six issues that's probably going to be like 10 to 15 quid which yeah. is going to work out maybe about the same ish but then eventually the trades will come down and it'd be like 10 quid or something yeah, like that exactly. like, and sometimes you can go and really pick up a second hand graphic novel like you know and i'm um, not saying you should necessarily do that because it's creative. hard though because if you like collecting the floppies like i i don't i don't care as much about the floppies like some some things i do care about like uh wonder girl and firepower have been like the issues uh but i don't really collect single issues of most things but also like the very first job i ever had at 16 i worked at a bookstore so i have always been the type to like obsessively buy books and i was just complaining to one of my friends the other day i was like i'm running i have built-in bookcases at the place where i live now I was like, I'm running out of space on my bookshelves, man. And she was like, why don't you just sell some books? And I'm like, no. <laughs> she was like, well, are you ever going to read them again? And I was like, 
yes. And she was like, you lie. And I was like, well, okay, the difference is I do not go back and reread novels. I've never reread a novel. But I have reread several copies of my trade paperback comics and of the manga that I've recently started collecting. So I don't want to sell it. I don't want to part with it. I like it. I like to have the I don't get rid of copies. I don't I don't get rid of graphic novels, but um I have got rid of books before. Um I had to, I, I've got rid of books. I, I mean I had loads of books before I got married and had kids and and then having kids you realize there's no point having books because they'll just pull them <laughs> literally every time you put them on the shelf. They come down. They're all, they're they're all over the floor. Yeah. Like, and in the end, it got to the point where I put all my books in a box in, in the attic in the end because I was like, because obviously the bigger they are, they learn to stand and pull, mm. they pull stuff off higher shelves. Yeah. And in the end, I gave up with the books. Like, so I, I put them all away. And in the end, it was like, well, if they're just in boxes in the attic, I might just let someone else read them. Yeah. Uh, but the graphic novels I never got rid of. I, I have got some books still. Like, I didn't, but I did get rid of a lot, which is, unfortunate and now they're older now but so they're not going to pull stuff off the shelves for me but uh, well it's funny because like i still have so many books in my parents house that my mom will call me sometimes and she'll be like hey i went shopping in your room like oh really what'd you find (laughs) she's like oh i found a couple of books that i've never read before i was like okay cool be sure to put them back when you're done i messaged my mom actually today because i want something that's in storage and she's Mm -hmm. like mark like they've got some uh shipping containers because um with stuff shipping in. containers are a hot commodity right now your parents could sell a shipping container and make um, a killing dude <laughs> um they, they my parents are hoarders they don't get rid of anything they probably got their first ever newspaper from the 1950s or something like that they literally don't get rid of anything like my parents don't get rid of newspapers until they've read every every page of the newspaper like oh my and uh, well my mom that is mainly but anyway so i uh, texted saying i wanted something like of mine from when i was a kid and she was like Mark, it's gonna be in the shipping container. I was like, okay, can't we just get it out? Mark, and then she replied back, have you seen our shipping container? And I went, no, but I imagine you're about to follow up with it's a nightmare. She went, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, is there any way? She's like, oh, you'll have to come around and help us go through it. I was like, yeah, but you don't oh. want to do that in the summer, man. That's going to have to be a fall project. How to tell trying to do that right now? So, well, I mean, I'm got the time, and, and yeah, my my dad's business is air conditioning, so yeah. like he hasn't got the time yeah. either. It's prime so, time, man. Prime yeah. time for that. So, um, <laughs> but anyway, Miles Morales. So far, what I've played really good. I would really recommend playing it. I, I the weird thing is actually, so my kids have have played both games and. They prefer playing as Miles because they love that when he's going around the city, he's listening to music and all that kind of stuff. And I, I actually, from what I played, I do like it. I like the fact that it's set in Harlem. But I said I prefer playing as Peter Parker. And obviously, the Peter Parker's older, you know, he's getting on for 30 or whatever. And obviously, Miles is, I don't know what he is, 16, somewhere between 16 and 18. And you can, and you can see, like, why... My younger my kids prefer playing as Miles because mm-hmm. he's nearer to their age, where I prefer playing as Peter because he's nearer to my age. And I also quite like that Peter's constantly flipping jokes, which I quite like. But they <laughs> they I think they quite like the younger sort of character and Listen, and I can Mark, see I can see why Miles you are you have to yeah, yeah, accept yeah. that they like the hip hop they like the music they like the Miles personality well, a little better. Well, well, I guess also like he's on the cutscenes, you know, he's like on the tube, he's got the big headphones, mm-hmm. he's dressing trendy, he's listening to like you say hip hop or whatever, and you know, and, and it also like he's got that whole young vibe thing. And I mean, yeah. I'm not an old, I'm not an old <laughs> man, but like, but anyway, I, I I thought it was I thought what I thought was I like the fact that 
Brian Michael Bender's character that is appealing to a younger generation, yeah. but it is still Spider-Man. And even as Peter Parker's calling him Spider-Man, it's not Spider-Boy, Spider-Man. Like, right. um, so I just thought, I thought that was good that, you know, we've got Spider-Man for a younger generation. Cause I think, you know, the, the, the mistake they made with creating Peter Parker in the sixties was actually they aged him too quickly. Cause they didn't think about the longevity of these characters. Mm-hmm. So when Stan Lee created him in the, uh, in the sixties, um, that they kind of aged him very quickly, got him married. When you know he went from high school to college to to work to to marriage, and even to the point in the nineties when uh, Mary Jane was pregnant, and they realised they had to undo all of that. Like, and unfortunately, they had to make the you know the baby disappear and kind of do a bit of a retcon. And and you know, actually, we'll talk about this one in a minute, but. Um, you know, they, and they've always been trying to, you know, they and they undid the marriage in a way that they didn't get him divorced because they didn't want him to be a divorcee because they said that kind of makes him older. Mm-hmm. But they but they kind of wanted to shuffle Peter back a little bit. Yeah. But actually, this has been a good, um, almost like a sideways move, kind of coming out of nowhere, creating Miles yeah. and actually but having him younger. Right? Well, yeah, he's a product of the times, right? Yeah, a product of now. same case yeah. as uh, Peter Parker, like... In the 50s, that's what people did. They got married right out of high school. They started families immediately. They started working. And now... People don't do that until their 30s and 40s. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So People want to enjoy being young. Yes. As well (laughs) you should, you young youngins. Anyway, about two weeks ago, we launched a feature on Instagram called Versus. It's only two weeks running. We won't talk about last week now because that was last week. But this week, we, we did Luther versus Luther. It so, was a bloodbath this week. <laughs> Blood so we had bath. Idris Elba versus Jesse Eisenberg. So yeah. that was the Luther of the BBC crime show and Luther, Jesse Eisenberg from the DCEU. And I felt a bit sorry for Jesse. No, I didn't really feel sorry. <laughs> I, I didn't really, I, I didn't feel sorry for him. Yeah, that, I, I mean, those results were expected, but damn, it was just kind of like, well, the I comment, only had one comment that was in favor of Luther. Luther. Yeah, well, 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 Jesse, Jesse yeah. Luther, but yeah, we got it was eighty percent towards Edra Silva. Um, I did have someone message me on Instagram saying I should name and shame whoever voted for Jesse. <laughs> 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 so, listen, listen, um, everybody is entitled to their own opinion. Okay, we're not gonna name and shame you, but we gonna talk. We, we, me and Mark are gonna internally talk about you and your choices for Jesse <laughs> Eisenberg for sure. We oh, are. Oh, I honestly, you know. Only thing I've ever liked Jesse Eisenberg in was the movie The Social Media. Our apologies to Jesse Eisenberg. We clearly meant the social network. Carry on. Oh, no way, man. I love him in Zombieland. Oh, yeah, yeah, Zombieland. No, but I liked him so much. No, I liked him in Social Media because he played such a cock. And I had to say, I felt like he was playing himself. (laughs) (laughs) And I imagine that he is a cock so that's always funny because like when i first saw social media i was like i can't imagine you playing this role but that's because i always thought of jesse eisenberg as like an older brother to michael Sarah. like i always had those two right there next to each other so to see him play something so serious i was like this is weird so lufa versus lufa i mean me and you we both voted for Idris elba of course how would Idris take out Jesse Eisenberg Luther. Uh, throat punch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, 
I think, you know, the thing with Eisenberg, he, he, he's all about planning and yeah. strategy and he's playing on the world. Yeah. But Idris Elba's like, nah, man. No, nah, okay. Let's, let's go. Let's one go. and done. Boom. Yeah. Next. One. <laughs> I, I think it, I think Idris Elba's Idris Elba's would just be lying fucking around with this shit. Like, yeah. like you say, he'd yeah. just be in there punching shotgun. That's it. Yeah. I know he doesn't really carry a gun, but he'd find one. Like, yeah. You know, or he'd use a spanner or something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. So we have we have a lot of fun with this on our Instagram. So for those of you that are listening, every Wednesday we do a Who Would Win Wednesday. Well, um, we've done it for two weeks, but we're going to carry yeah. on. We're, we're we're excited about the the battles we got coming up. So be sure yeah. to check out our Instagram we've, on Wednesday. We've got the next. Get your vote in. We've already decided the next two weeks. And we can't so. tell you yet. No. <laughs> Tune in. Yeah. So. All right, so moving on to the news for this week. Boy, oh boy, do we have some drama. All right, so Jensen Ackles and his wife, Danielle, have a production company and they have uh, announced a deal that they've got going on with CW where they are doing a Supernatural prequel series. Now, this prequel series is set to follow John and Mary Winchester, which are Sam and Dean's parents. Um, And all we know so far is that that's the premise is that the series the new series is supposed to follow john and mary winchester and tell their whole love story about how they got together before they had sam and dean and uh, jensen ackles was going to be the narrator of the series as dean winchester well when variety dropped that information on twitter jared padalecki who is famous for playing sam winchester uh was very upset and decided to speak publicly and say this was the first time that he had heard of any such series that he was gutted that uh sam's character would not be a part of it um and that he would have appreciated a heads up that's a paraphrase if you want to check it out his tweets are still up so you can go and read them um that started and uh to quote a shitstorm. basically if you have never watched supernatural that's fine but the supernatural fandom is incredibly rabid okay and after jared said that this was the first time that he was hearing of it and that he was gutted uh supernatural fandom went to work and they actually started tearing into their own and started saying really awful and mean things about jensen and this that and the other well eventually jared was like oh guys wait so sorry uh let's not do that let's not pile on don't make any threats don't do that and eventually as the day progressed he and jensen released tweets that said hey look guys we talked about it we talked it out you know shit happens we're good um okay i was a big 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 supernatural fan was okay i went to a supernatural convention and that really put the brakes on me being part of the supernatural fandom because Y'all are crazy. Okay. I'm just saying that. Y'all are crazy. And so I stopped, I stopped watching the series uh, during season eight. I got really tired of the way that they would bring people back and kill them for no good reason. Also, I found their treatment of women characters appalling. Just me. Um, anyway, Jared Padalecki to me has a problem with using his Twitter followers as weapons. And I do not like that. He's got over a million followers. And if you are upset or if you are angry or if you are just in a bad headspace, 
weaponizing your million plus followers is not the right way to do anything. And I just feel like that should have been a text message. If, if he saw that news, obviously he was on his phone when he saw it because he took to Twitter immediately. He should instead have texted Jensen and been like, bro, what the fuck? Like, the fuck you mean there's a supernatural uh, prequel series coming out and my character's not even a part of it? How the hell is that supposed to work? That would have been perfectly fine. But I think it's ridiculous that you brought that out into the public first weaponized your fans against part of your own fandom and then tried to pull everything back and say, guys, don't do that. Don't do that. And uh, the only reason I say that he weaponizes his followers is because he's done it before. He, um, and again, this is back when I was a massive, massive supernatural fan. He, he got into like a Twitter argument, which I never think I celebrities should never, ever get into Twitter arguments with nobody's. Like if you are arguing with someone who has an egg as their avatar, like don't waste your time. That's ridiculous. So he's done it before and he gets in trouble for it every time. And then the first thing he does is apologize and be like, oh, well, you know, don't do that, guys. Don't do that. Don't pile on. Well, you shouldn't. You should be the one not initiating the stuff. Like, don't get these people frothing at the mouth and then tell them to calm down when you're the one that kicked up shit in the first place. Yeah, I mean, it's always a good idea to talk. <laughs> yeah, he, should have probably, he probably should have just called it. Well, to be fair, what should honestly, have probably happened? it should happened, have been no, a text message. Like, no, but what, in honesty, what should have happened was Jensen Ackles should have called him and told him. Like, you know, any, I don't know. I don't know where, uh, you know, I don't know what's happened with making this show. I know that it's really early days and may never even get made. But let's be honest, it probably will because the CW probably, the CW. <laughs> yeah, CW will want, CW didn't want this show to end. And they even said, they even said they didn't want the show to end. And they said, the only, and they, someone said to the CW, we we'll bring this back. And he was like, look, go and ask Jensen and Jarrett. Like, yep. they, Mark Pedowitz, the president of the CW, has always said, like, we're going to do whatever the boys want to do. If they want to mm. come back, they're welcome to come back. So when I initially heard about this news that Jensen was going to be the narrator of the show, I was like, what about Jarrett? I was like, well... <laughs> We know they're both in heaven together because that's how it ended. Okay. And so we're, we're assuming that the way it's been laid out is that Jensen's kind of looking back over his parents' life, like, because he didn't have a chance to get to know his parents. So he's in heaven, right? So where did Jared go? Like, you know, so, I mean, what's well, Sam and Dean? I mean, but um, if you think about it in those terms... Oh, I know it he arrived in heaven absolutely first. appropriate for Jensen to be, or for Dean to be the one to be the narrator because Sam was a teeny tiny crying toddler baby when their mother died so he, no, but, I mean, he doesn't know all of that no 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 but what yeah no but, yeah, but was, we're assuming that dean doesn't know either because dean's trying to look back i'm assuming through i guess the magic of being in heaven that he's that been given the ability to look back in time and he i guess he's seeing moments in their life so sam could easily do that too if, mm -hmm. if if it is set in heaven i know that dean arrived first so that would probably could be their get out that maybe Dean is in heaven before Sam arrived and maybe standing on that bridge looking down on, on his parents and watching their life. Like maybe, maybe that could be the thing. And knowing the CW, they'll probably want to have oh, some element of a story for Sam and Dean in heaven. Any money, like they'll try and give them some screen time. It won't, it won't just be narration. Like, you know. Let it go, Well, yeah, no, well, yeah, so... So when I first heard about it, I was like, this was probably inevitable. Like, this yeah. is probably big time. And actually, I just thought about this. We didn't write this down on our list of things to cover, which shame on us. Smallville, um, season 11. So it's coming back as an animated show. Yeah. And that came out a couple of days before this. 
I was quite keen on this. And actually, I think a lot of people have been very pro this. Now, I think there's a big difference between the two announcements. There's been how yeah, long well, there's a been break? distance between Smallville being Yeah, so it's been what, like 10, 10, 10 years, years or something like yeah. that? So I think for me, hearing if I'd heard about this prequel series in 10 years' time, right. I think that's a suitable enough break for that to have come back. To announce it not literally five a year months later. Yeah, was it? Yeah, not even a year later that we've got the prequel series. It, it just it, it almost smacks of desperation from the CW. Yeah. Look, if you wanted this, you should have given Wayward Sisters the, the spin-off that I think they deserve. Those there was not enough female leads in that show. And I know See, it was about I two I wonder brothers. why. No, 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 but I know it was two about two brothers, and I know that was the whole thing. It was about two brothers on the road, and I guess it was difficult to have any regular character like and, and that's actually one of the things i actually really loved when supernatural did change things up every now and again like being in the bunker and, and actually when they added in their mother for a while i liked it when they had more of a, sort of a team element sometimes and sometimes where sam would go off with um castiel or the or you know sam or dean would go off with the mother and do a hunt and i liked it when they mixed it up a bit or the four of them would go off and do an investigation but they would always bring it back to the brothers because that was their whole thing yeah um, but they also if oh god they always messed it up like those seasons where sam and dean were at odds with each other were always always the worst seasons of supernatural yeah they tried to sort of have that more as things went on had it where they would at, at bls anyway i think we should probably bring this to a close but i mean spin-off let's be honest i will watch this show I'm not saying i'll watch every episode of it i want to see the first couple of episodes if it ever makes it that far mm-hmm. I would like to see that they do well for both seeing Dan, Dan, Sam and Dean's characters. Like, and I, what I will hope is that they do involve Sam. And maybe, maybe what would be cool is if they alternated the narration. Like, I think that might be, or even did a combination of narration. I don't think they should leave Sam out. You know, whatever, whatever's going on behind the scenes. I don't think they should leave. They should either both really be doing it or. I don't, I don't think one of them should be doing it. I think it's either both of them or none of them kind of thing. You know, and I don't really see a need for Jensen to narrate it. Like, if they want to do a prequel, why not just make it a separate thing? Right. Um, you, your production company can still be behind it. That's perfectly fine. Nobody has an issue with that. But but to, to bring half of a duo back is bizarre. But I think bringing, yeah, like I said, bringing half of a duo back is weird. But I, what I personally, my preference was should have left it five to ten years and then what they should have done was brought this back prequel back as a semi-reboot because people time to miss the series first Mm. but also like people know that sam and dean sorry uh sam dean john and mary we've seen the younger acts of of john and mary already when they've done flashbacks and and to me although we've done the we haven't had an outright prequel we've kind of like had like enough of their characters fleshed out like enough that we don't really need this prequel series. Yeah. Um, and also we we kind of know how it all ends, right? And so right. what I'm a bit concerned about is are they gonna do like big boss level events during the prequel? You know, are they gonna be going up against, I don't know, Lucifer and you know, angels and that have gone rogue and all this kind of stuff because Sam and Dean did all that. And I don't want Mary and, and John to be doing that as well. I hope that they keep it much more grounded, but they won't. Like, because they'll forget 
I can just see it happening now. They'll be like, you know, it doesn't matter about supernatural. We'll we'll just kind of do our own thing. Uh, that's that's what concerns me a little bit. That they'll go off too much and try and do their own thing, which would have been fine if it was in say five or ten years and they get said it's a semi reboot. I think I'd be right, right with that. Right. But to launch it like you said, to start, well, they haven't launched it yet. Five months later to be talking about it, right. and probably it'll probably be out next year. And and it's going to be, like you say, it's too soon. I will watch the pilot. I'm definitely going to, I want to see what's going on. And I really hope they don't mess up. Like, I hope they make it good. Like, just, it would be good. I think it would be good if they do it well. Like, it could be done, it could be done well. But I think that they would have to do an element of a reboot around it because they're not going to bring back the, the, the John and Mary that we've seen before, are they? Well, because yeah, because they've said that uh, Daniil Ackles is going to be a recurring character. So, like, is she going to be Mary or is she going to be somebody else? Like, who is she going to be? Like? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, the Blacklist. So I know you don't watch the Blacklist anymore. anymore yeah. And um, and I honestly, I don't know how I've made it to eight seasons. I, I like, Don't get me wrong. I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with this show. I still enjoy every episode. But the ongoing mystery, fucking hell. Like... <laughs> It, and like, you know, even my wife says to me when she sees me watching it, how are you still watching the show? And I'm like, I don't know. I, don't, I genuinely don't know. Like, yeah, and I said, well, no, I know the reason, actually, no, I tell the truth, I know the reason why I still watch it because of the mystery. Like, the, like I want no, to know. No, the reason you still watch it is because you want to know. Well, yeah, no, I want to know. Yeah. Who is Raymond Reddington? Who is Raymond Reddington? It's getting on my nerves. Who is he? Like, why will they not tell you after eight years? And even like this, two, the, the, where it was like a two-parter, like last week came out an episode, this week came out an episode. Well, they, you know, we were supposed to finally get the answer, and we still don't get the answer of who Raymond Reddington is. Anyway, I'm going to come down to a couple of points here. So, the main character, Liz, uh, who's played by Megan Boone, had just, we got this a couple of weeks ago, they announced yeah. she will be leaving at the end of the season. I didn't, I didn't know how this was going to happen, and they were was not setting up the episode that she would be able to leave in within the show, is in disappear, live in Ibiza or something like that. It was meant they were setting up the show that she was going to take over Reddington's um, whole empire and they were setting it up. You know, we said spoilers at the beginning, but yeah, spoilers here. So they were setting it up that she was going to kill Reddington and she would take over his criminal empire. Um, And I'll I'll come back to that in a bit in a minute. But it was always lined up that she was going to shoot him to basically take over the empire. And she Mm -hmm. then uh, he, he basically said that he was dying. And so he kind of wanted his death to mean something that she would be seen by everybody to, to kill obviously the infamous Raymond Rennington and take over the criminal empire. So right when she's about to do it, she goes, I can't do it. And he goes, that's okay. He goes, that's okay. And, um, and I'm assuming that Reddington had a plan B like a sniper or something like that. And out of nowhere, she suddenly gets shot. Like out of nowhere, there's blood all over her chest, whatever. Some guy is behind her, whatever. Reddington just, shoots him about 18 times and kills him. She's laying on the floor, bleeding everywhere. Then suddenly most of the task force show up and whatever, Reddington is pulled out and pulled, pulled away um, by Denby and they disappear. And then the kind of the tiles come up. And I was like, wow. I was like, that's how she leaves after eight years. So we've got some thoughts here. I think, because it is renewed for season nine, I think when season nine starts, she will be in speech marks dead. And I don't think, as far as they're concerned, that they will be bringing her back. As long as the show continues to go, she will be dead. And I don't think there'll be anything other than that. 
but I reckon that in typical blacklist fashion, they may occasionally allude to the fact that she may not be dead but won't answer it. And But, again, she'll be dead. Now, I reckon if they end the show, whether that's at the end of season nine or 15 at this rate, um, I think that they would bring her out of death. Um, like, say, if there was, like, an actual series two-parter where they finally answer everything... I think they would bring her back. Um, I think, like I said, I think she is dead for the for the rest of the duration of Black, the Blacklist. But knowing the Blacklist, the way they've done it, having her sort of dying on the street and have the titles come up, you're not like we said a couple of weeks ago. You're not really showing a body. And I even I said it to you. Unless that body is decapitated, I yep. tend to believe that it's not dead. Yep. And the way they did it was in such a way that you could say that she's dead. But I just, I'm not going to believe she's dead. And this is the fucking trouble with the blacklist. Honestly, it's just mystery after mystery. Anyway, so to come back to Raymond Reddington, I feel that they have, so there's two more things about this. I feel that they kind of have pretty much alluded to who Raymond Reddington is. So he, in, earlier in the episode, he says to her, I have a letter written by your mother, but you cannot read this letter until after I am dead. And then he says to her that, her mother asked her, him to constantly keep an eye on him. Uh, sorry, on, on, sorry, on Liz. And that, that's why I'm in your life, is to keep an eye on you. Now, even before, like, the, the sort of leading up to the whole thing about she had to kill Reddington, she said to me, why can't I read the letter before I have to kill you? Mm-hmm. And he goes, because if you read it, you then might want to kill me. And then I, I literally, when I read that, I, could, I literally typed in to Google, is Raymond Reddington? And the moment I did, it came up with the, what I thought. And I'm telling you, I never, literally never occurred to me. I think that Raymond Reddington is her mother. Like, I think I'm, I'm dead convinced now that Ray, Raymond Reddington is, a, is um, transgender or something like that. And because we do know that Raymond Reddington has been genetically altered or something like that, not genetically, yeah, like, like his appearance was genetically challenged, we changed. So we know that happened about two seasons ago, that came out. And we do know that he was he looked like someone else and that was something that that Reddington tried to cover up but Liz found out about it so we know that that's already happened that he the Reddington wasn't born looking how he looks so is it not too much more of a jump to say that Ray Reddington potentially was a woman he very uh, well could be and and that's not a twist I ever thought was going to happen I'll be honest with you not a thought not a thought I'd ever thought would happen Anyway, so the, also the announcement also came out of the season finale that the showrunner and creator of The Blacklist, um, John Bokenkamp, has left the show as well after eight years. So he's got a small statement here. There's, there's a bit more to it. But I love this show with all my heart. It's been an incredible journey. But after eight years, I feel it's time for me to step out of my comfort zone, try something new and explore a few other characters and stories that have been crawling around in my head. So this feels very much like a bit like the supernatural. You know how the sh- original showrunners stepped down after five seasons because they told their story. Um, this feels like to me that with Liz leaving, um, played by Megan Boone, to me, I think it feels like he thought that this show's sort of run its course. I know he's, he, he did. He does go on to say like there's plenty of life left in the blacklist, etc. But to me, it just feels like this show has come to an end. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I haven't made a decision. I I probably would start season nine because I would like to see what happens next. 
fire. I may have maybe run its course with me now too, because you know it's not it's not the show. It's not the same show anymore now. Like, and they should have been. Do you know what? They should have just been gutsy enough to have ended the show. That's what they should have done. They should have gone, no, do you know what? Let's put money aside and let's let creative, creativity take over and end this show. But they didn't. So I'm For the annoyed. love of God, I wish more people would do that. Yeah. Well, we have told our story. This is the end for these characters. We're glad that you love the series, but we are done. Uh, well, it's two, two things here supernatural and blackness. Just stay end, man. Just, just do it. Anyway, tell All us right. about something new that's happening. So, <laughs> uh, another addition to the ever expanding HBO Max and WB collaboration conglomerate thing that they've got going on. So, we've got another Justice League Dark character that could be getting their own show. Uh, it was announced that Madame Xanadu uh, is going to have a series. It's reportedly already in development at HBO Max with, uh, in conjunction with Bad Robot from J.J. Abrams. So uh, also attached to it is Angela Robinson, who did Professor Marston and the Wonder Women and some stuff on True Blood. Um, so yeah, Madame Xanadu, another Justice League Dark character that we could be seeing a little bit more of getting an individual series. Still no release dates, no information about when we can expect it, no nothing. But it looks like, at the very least, the folks over at HBO Max are trying to come up with some kind of cohesive uh, universe of their own over there. Um so still, again, we don't know if we're going to get a Justice League Dark series first or if we're going to get some of these individual character series first. They also announced a few weeks ago, maybe it was a few months ago, that they were also trying to do Constantine uh, as an HBO Max series, which, good grief, Constantine gets around, doesn't he? First, we had an NBC series, then NBC canceled Constantine, then Matt Ryan went to CW and uh, Legends of Tomorrow to reprise his role as Constantine. So is Matt Ryan coming back? And is he going to be on HBO Max as well? Who knows? Uh, I don't know. But uh, uh, so Madame Xanadu, the, the character, is sort of related to, not sort of, is related to King Arthur. Uh, her actual name is Nimue Inwudo. Inwudo? Not really sure how to pronounce that one, but she is a sorceress. Uh, she is very old, very powerful. Um, and, you know, actually, I, I really love the character Zatanna. Um, so, and, and I do, well, I mean, I like Keanu Reeves as Constantine. Um, but I do like the character Constantine as well. So I've, I've been pretty excited about the, the whole concept of a Justice League Dark. I also really love Boston Brand, surprisingly. He's such a dick, but uh, I, I started to like Boston Brand when I was reading a long time ago when I was reading the Blackest Night uh, run of comics. Um, so I'm, I'm very interested, though, more so in the overall story that HBO Max is kind of trying to put together with all of these different Justice League Dark characters and their own individual series. I don't know that much about her character to be honest, or any of the Justice League Dark. Constantine, I clearly know. Um, when I sat down a minute ago, it's because I reckon that 
they're, they're probably going to keep it separate from the CW, just yeah. that's the kind of guys they are. I would rather, I mean, and we know that DC's kind of set themselves up as not worrying about overlap and stuff like that with, you know, having Superman TV show and Superman films and, yep. you know, like, and, they, and now that they've even had Flash from the DCU show up in the CW Flash and there's rumours now that Grant, Grant, Grant Gustin, what's his name, Grant Gustin, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, might show up in the movie for a cameo too. Like they've they they're, they're actually they embrace their multiverse, so I think they won't give a shit if they have another Constantine. So, yeah. um, we'll see. I'd I'd watch it. I don't know anything about her, so it doesn't. Yeah, yeah I would I would watch it because again, I'm I'm very interested in a Justice League Dark. So, I'm mm. oh, yeah, I think I imagine it's going to be. Do you know what? It makes me think of like the Defenders from Netflix. It yeah. kind of makes me think yeah, that are they exactly. are they going are they going to maybe launch individual shows and then have a Justice League Dark or are they going to do Justice League Dark and then have to, I don't know. So hopefully it'll be done well, but we'll see. So there's going to be a new. Spider-Man creative team following the announcement that Nick Spencer will be finally ending his, um, let's just say it hasn't been a run <laughs> that people have enjoyed as much as previous runs. So uh, Nick Spencer's coming to an end with issue 74, I think it is, in September. Uh, there was an overwhelming, what I saw on social media, roar of celebration. Um, <laughs> that wasn't... A, a di- People have also caveat that by saying, look, I love Nick Spencer and other things. I just haven't loved Nick Spencer on Spider-Man. Not well, that every... sounds a lot like the way you feel about uh, Bendis. No, no, no. Do you know what, though? No, I, I, I love Bendis. I just thought Bendis on Superman was terrible. I just He just couldn't write, <laughs> he couldn't write Superman. I, no, but I, yeah. I've always been a big Bendis fan. I loved a lot of things he's done, Jessica Jones, Alias. Um, I loved his new Avengers. I've even loved his X-Men stuff. I've, I've loved loads of stuff that he's done. I've run his Powers, uh, his own Powers comic. I've read that. I loved, I loved a lot of stuff that Bendis has done. I just, Superman was not a comic that he knew what to do with. Um, yeah. And probably when he came to DC, he probably wasn't hoping for Superman. He probably just, you know, when he came over to DC from Marvel, we just when they said, yeah, 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 we want to put on Spider Superman, he's probably like, fuck, probably like, no, I've got no idea what to do here. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go in and take a massive shit on the creative to what the creative team did what, before I'm me. I'm going to do what I always do. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go in and throw the furniture up in the air and then do someone else sort it out afterwards. Um, anyway, so there's going to be a new creative team, and it's actually very similar to what they did before with Brand New Day. So Brand New Day about 10-ish years ago, came out and they had a retained creative team. So there's going to be a similar style. It's going to be coming out three times a month. Uh, Marvel Comics will announce that Kelly Thompson, Zaladin, Hamid, Cody, Ziegler, Patrick Gleason, and Zeb Wells are going to be sort of making up the creative team to shake up Spider-Man mythos in ways that no one will see coming. Anyway, so we're kicking off with issue 75 of Maiden Spider-Man. And this new direction is going to see... None other than Peter Parker's clone, Ben Riley, take back the mantle of Spider-Man. Oh, so, wow. um, honestly, they released something. Oh, I'm loving the new costume that's clearly Ben Riley and not Peter Parker. Let me tell you a story, pretty Jasmine. I know we're, we're sort of cutting uh, towards our time, but when I was 14, it was the first time I got into comics. It was a while ago. And I remember being <laughs> at school 
I remember at school and um, it was in the 90s. I remember at school with this guy I used to do an art class with, Nick. I he, basically, long story short, he was a guy who kind of led me to get into comics. And I remember, like, I knew about Spider Man. He was a character that I always loved. I you know, used to watch the animated show and, um, from Fox. And I used to watch, um, there was these terrible 70s TV movies that I used to love. I don't know if you remember those or not. Um, and I've always been a huge Spider Man fan, but I didn't really know anything about comics. And he starts telling me about comics, whatever. And he starts telling me that. Um, They've announced after, I don't know, 20, 30 years that Peter Parker, that everybody knows, whatever, has, has been a, is a clone. And um, anyway, there's a whole thing came out of that called the Clone Saga, and it was all massive misdirection. And in the end, Peter Parker turned out to be the one true Spider-Man, as they called it. Uh, however, um, what they did was at the time, they killed Peter Ben Riley off. You know, a couple of years ago, they brought Ben Riley back, as they always do, because it's comics. And after they brought him back, he sort of disappeared a little bit. He had his own comic that ran for 25 issues, and he's popped up I think in Iron Man the other day anyway um, but now that he's actually coming back and he's going to be taking over the title of Spider-Man that is a gussy move because the Clone Saga was something that was really unpopular <laughs> it really like almost killed the Spider-Man um, brand mm-hmm. They were at the, I remember reading at the time that Marvel thought that they had actually killed Spider-Man like literally not like not like killed him killed him they actually thought they had destroyed the brand um, and they they brought it back. I remember they brought it back as a massive reboot and it was still struggling. And this actually was, um, I struggle to say his name, the guy who created Babylon 5, Jay Straczynski, whatever his name is, mm-hmm. he came over and took over Spider-Man after Peter Parker and he wrote really good, I loved his run on Spider-Man, it was amazing. And then actually after his run came to an end, um, that's when they brought in Brand New Day, which was three times a month and they had a rotating creative team. So they're kind of going back and doing a little bit what they've done before and it worked really well then retain creative team so I'm, I'm really excited for this I and I love Ben Riley. look I'm, I'll be honest I was a Ben Riley fan you know I love I, don't get me wrong that clone saga dragged on way too long but yeah. I was always a Ben Riley fan so well anyway. actually if if Solid and Ahmed is on on this run then you should if you are really honestly looking into getting into Miles Morales you should start with Solid and Ahmed's run on Miles Morales which he picked up Miles Morales in 2018 um i think he's a fantastic writer oh have you read it yeah no no i haven't read it but uh i've i actually uh had been keeping up with solid and Ahmed for a little while i'd been into some of his poetry kind of stuff before he was doing comics um but i i would say i trust his judgment on miles morales so if if solid and Ahmed is on this book i think it'll be a, a pretty decent book but also you should pick up his run of miles morales if that's where you're going to jump in Oh. All right, so last piece. This is a big one. So earlier this week, Image Comics said that they were finally going to release the final run of a series from Warren Ellis and Ben Temple Smith called Fell. Uh, that series had been on and off from 2005. Uh, so they were finally going to just have the end of it and, and be done with it. But when the third biggest comic comic publisher in the united states says something like that and warren ellis is has been under fire for the past year for numerous 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 sexual allegations that have come out against him since uh, last year uh image actually walked back the release of their book and their statement which i thought was uh it very like no bullshit um they said a, this, our announcement of Fell was premature, which 
blaming the intern seems to be the thing to do for everyone when they mess up on social media, but that's a whole other story. Um, anyway, they said their announcement of Fell was premature and that they were not going to work with Warren Ellis on any future endeavors until, and I quote, he has made amends to the satisfaction of all involved. So basically what Image Comics said is, hey, we know you're done with this book and this book is ready to be released, but we're actually not going to release it until you fix your shit. Um, so basically then the, their statement points uh, readers, viewers, people browse the website, points them to a website called so many of us.com. So many of us.com. And that website was created by the collective of women that have accused publicly accused Warren Ellis of sexual misconduct. Um, and basically, as of June 24th, Warren Ellis has reached out to that collective of women to sort of open up talks to figure out how they can resolve the situation. Um, but I just think it's, it's really interesting because one, one of the sort of statements from Ben Templesmith, who's the artist on the same book with Warren Ellis, he just kind of said, well, nobody expected him to disappear and we knew that he'd be back in comics eventually. Whereas you had other comic creators like uh, James Tenney and the fourth that was like, I cannot believe Image would release a book like this in a climate like this. Um, so the, just sort of the dichotomy of people who are kind of like, I don't know why Image would walk this back versus people that are like, I can't believe Image would announce this in the first place uh, is really interesting to me. I, I, I remember this, I remember stuff about this coming out quite a while ago about Warren Ellis and um, I'll be honest with you, time has moved on and I had forgotten about it and all the Warren Ellis stuff. But I remember like when I heard about it, I don't, uh, I wouldn't say Warren Ellis, he's not like a hero of mine or like some creative uh, writer that I've particularly followed, but I know that like, there's things of his that I've read and enjoyed. And I remember he, a couple of years ago, took over um, uh, the, some of the X-Men comics, and I, I loved all of those. And I think he, he is, as a writer, someone who I, I've probably been... I wouldn't say anything I've read of his that I've not enjoyed. I'm just trying to think. I've just uh, Well, he was on Castlevania um most recently so the fourth season of castlevania came out after these allegations were uh made public and even netflix had said that they were distancing themselves from him and that after those allegations came out he was no longer involved in the fourth and final season of castlevania um but i i just think it speaks volumes like this is, we're not talking one or two or three people we're talking dozens dozens of women that have come forward with with these allegations against him so i mean i'll just go up his um his whole sort of run of comics in front of me it's crazy man like he's read so much stuff but like be i know the stuff here i've read like he read the i know i know like the four issue run of um Age of Apocalypse, Excalibur. I know I read that. He's read, he written a lot of Excalibur and all the Fantastic Four. I know I read a lot of that. Yeah, there's so much stuff here that I know that I've read of his. So I think it's when you hear about this kind of thing, it's, oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. I knew he'd done it. Deviate 
So DBA was a Gen 13 spin-off that came out from Wildstorm. And I've read all of that and I absolutely loved it. So it's when you hear about people that you know you've enjoyed their products, like, and I mean, I'm not going to go on about Michael Jackson here, but like, for instance, he's a big name thing and everyone's got views. Some people believe it, some people don't believe it, mm-hmm. you know, or, or the other hand, or the other troubling thing. The other thing that probably is difficult to sit with is actually you might believe it, but you still enjoy what he did. Right. And that, and all of those things are quite hard, like when you hear about this and it's difficult, like to make your, get your own mind sometimes around the content you've enjoyed to get around to what they've done and it's a personal decision right like you you have to reconcile with yourself whether or not you can separate art from artist or whether or not you should be able to separate art from artists um i think i think you know i'm not going to talk about other people but warren ellis i'm not saying i'm like a huge fan of his but i know that i've enjoyed stuff he's done what i have read mm-hmm. so when you hear about these things you're like oh man a, bit, a little bit of me is like i'm not another one like not another person i've enjoyed their content and that right. uh, they uh, turn and out so, to be like a not pleasant uh, person yeah <laughs> yeah so a bit like what we said about joss whedon it's like mm-hmm. but then we had to reconcile that with because it's actually tv which is very different we had to reconcile that with actually we enjoyed the actors and a lot of the other creatives. So I can't dismiss Buffy and Angel because though because of everybody that was involved, mm. not just him. But this but the difference with comics is there's a writer and there's an artist, and you know, they they it's very, very much on those two people. Well, I mean obviously the inkers and the printers. Yeah, but the, the problem it, but... with this kind of stuff comes with the power dynamic that plays into it. And that is the bigger issue, even with with Joss Whedon, where you you are in a position of authority where you have like this ability to lord someone's career over them if they don't do what you want them to do now whatever that want is it's still irrelevant but it's the power dynamics that make these things as awful as they actually are um but like it's it i i appreciate that image was very quick on the oh wait you came to us, you told us that you didn't appreciate that we had done this. So you know what? Okay, we're gonna we're gonna stand with you on this one and we're gonna pull back. We're not gonna do it anymore. And in fact, here is where you can go to find out more information instead of us giving you just some bare bones blanket statement. Like literally, Image Comics has put all of the uh, the future of this book onto the victims that have come forward as opposed to putting this information or putting the future of this book on the artist himself which is something that you don't ever see like companies do not do that there's never been a company that's like you know like with let's say bill cosby like you know if if the cosby show was still on tv there's no way nbc would go hey you know what we're going to go ahead and, and pull the cosby show off the air and we're going to wait until the victims have told us that they are okay with the verdict of what is going on here oh what's that show um oh roseanne where roseanne went on twitter and went mental um said all the horrible stuff she said on twitter and actually what was good was abc yeah they pulled her but but then she like i mean probably the one nice thing she did was because she owned that show she said okay look i don't want anyone to lose their jobs and she signed away all her rights to that show Mm -hmm. so that all the other actors and creators like i'm not saying that suddenly she's a hero or anything but at least she recognized that she'd actually effed over everybody she worked with like because it was got pulled because the show got pulled but actually they carried the show on without her 
But yeah, with this, time, I think people have to be uncomfortable. Like if image made the decision to retract what they were going to do, and then they stood firm in it and put their support behind the, the victims that had come forward against their own creator. And I think that sometimes in order to sort of move forward, like some, sometimes you have to be uncomfortable, right? Like I'm sure it was very uncomfortable for image to be like, damn it, we gotta, we gotta do this. And we're going to have to, uh, this sucks, but they did it anyway. Um, and I'm not saying that they deserve like a pat on the back or praise or anything like that. But, but what I'm saying is it is an uncomfortable thing to have to do where you are literally having to decide between making money and not making money. But at the same time, all of the women who have come forward were faced with that exact same decision where it's like, this guy has the power to get me fired from my job. So either I do what he says to do and keep my job or I don't do what he says and then I lose my job and then what? So I, I again, I think standing behind the victims and saying, we're not going to publish this book until the victims are satisfied with what, what agreement they have come up with yeah. is different. And I hope more, more companies take that sort of sure. And again, like we, you know, it's, it's easy for people to say, Oh, well, you know, what if these women are lying? Okay. One or two. Sure. This many though, when, when you've got like 20 some odd people there, there's no way that 20 people have come together, colluded, and have are lying to the point where they are all telling the same thing. It would fall, it would fall apart. Happen. It would fall apart right. because people it would it, people also like if they'd made it up, would they carry it on this long? The number um, is too big. The number is yeah. too big for this to be a, a one-off kind of deal. So and like you say, maybe like one of them might have jumped on this. So we can't, you know. But like you say, the volume of people are never going to make, make make this up. And right. and also, I don't think he's not really saying that they're liars. He's kind of he, he's kind of saying I need to speak to them and open dialogue with them. Right. So he hasn't said that they're lying. So he right. and to my knowledge, I could be wrong. Don't hold me to this. But to my knowledge of what I have researched so far, we're not talking Harvey Weinstein levels of horribleness. Uh, basically, it's just inappropriate relationships and again that that comes into play with that power dynamic where i have the ability to advance your career but if i'm going to do that you got to do something for me um <laughs> I, so, just, yeah. I, I, I don't know how those conversations come out like you know <laughs> just, they, just uh, like I that literally uh, it is just uh, like that when people get uh, to do all of these things unchecked and no one has told them no before then they say these things and they, because they have gotten away with it in the past I, yeah, I, maybe maybe I'm just too nice, but I just like just like maybe if I had the kind of power that was Warren Ellis and I was meeting people, I I, I would be happy to help people, and, and it would never even occur to me. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, you know, I can see you've got a bit of talent, but you know, you've got to go back to my place if you want me to put a word of review for Image Comics. Like, yeah, it just it literally would never even cross my mind. Like, just. Well, thank you, Mark, for being a decent human being. <laughs> and I just can't imagine, like, the, I just, in my mind, can't imagine the conversation. Like, and, and, you know, again, pe people make mistakes. I mean, I'm not saying that, by the way, about him. So if it was just, like, one person, you'd think, okay, this is a slip-up, but 20-plus people. Exactly. That's not a slip-up. Anyway, obviously, again, like image, we obviously stand by victims and of this type of thing, and... I mean, it's good that they've come together actually, because I was going to say if you, you know, you're in that position, but yeah, if you're obviously right. 
I, I would assume any kind of Warren Ellis uh, person who's been affected by this is already probably part of this group. But if you're of a, a similar, something there, similar has happened to you. There's power in numbers. Yeah, yeah, there's people out there that can support and even us, if something's happened, just message us or whatever. Like, you know, hopefully, hopefully these things become less and less the more people talk about them and the more the balance changes. You know, as we do know, 20, 30 years ago, it was the white man. Now things are becoming more even. Uh, I know it's still got a long way to go and we've had this conversation a few times even on our book club, things like March and mm-hmm. stuff like that. We can never rest. Like, and that's right. the trouble. The moment you stop talking about it and let things go back to normal, it, it will slip back to how it was. So we've got to keep, I, I guess we've got to keep these conversations going. So um, it's sad news. It's a sad story to end on for our news as we roll into this week's review. And um, before we do, though, we'll be back in a moment. Have you ever dreamt of being a superhero? Legends of Superhero Story is a new actual play podcast using the Legends Superhero role-playing game system, available on all podcast platforms. This exciting new superhero tabletop RPG follows our Game Master Jack and our fledgling heroes played by Chad, Emily, Amanda, and Daniel as they work their way through their origin story and beyond. Listen in as they discover their powers and abilities. Let's hope they learn to work together as a team in time to save the world and truly become legends. Legends of Superhero Story is available on all podcast platforms. For more information, follow us on social media at The Legends Cast or visit our website, www.matchplaygames.ca forward slash The Legends Cast. My children have grown into the warriors I knew you to be. No thanks to you, Dad. You're too late, Talak Busao. The battle is over. This battle has been raging for longer than you can imagine, Trese. It will continue to rage long after all of you are dead. Not if we send you back to whatever hell you came from. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us, we've gotten fancy. We've got like promos now and stuff. So this is our review of Treze season one. That's right. It is on Netflix based on uh, a, a comic by the same name, Treze, by Bajet Tan and Kajo Baldissimo. It is from Alamut Comics, which is a Filipino imprint. It is currently an ongoing series. This series for Netflix was written by Zig Marasigan, uh, Meek Viraga, and Tanya Yusan. It was directed by Jay Olivia, uh, or excuse me, Jay Oliva, Tim Divar, David Hartman, and Mel Zwire. The English cast is comprised of Shay Mitchell playing Alexander Tresse, Griffin Pautu as the Combal Twins, Matt Yang King as Captain Guerrero, uh, John John Briones as Hank, and Carlos Alazraki as Anton Tresse. Did you watch both versions, like, or just English? No, I only watched the English one this time. I know sometimes you like to watch multiple languages and show me up. <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, this time. Although, like, uh, but, like, I'm sure we'll get into it, but, like, that was really my favorite my favorite thing about this was <clears throat> normally when you watch stuff and it's dubbed, it's it's just, you know, dubbed in a language uh, of the dub right so english dubs usually have straight english actors and mm. the there's no accents or anything like that but with this one 
the English dub is filled with Filipino American actors, which I thought was awesome, including Rufio. Dante Bosco has a uh, very small role in this series. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed that because you rarely ever hear animated stuff with accents of the people that are actually in the, you know, in the, in the setting. So that was cool. Yeah. They, they, so you didn't actually get a chance to watch it. And I, I've not watched it all actually, but the After Dark episode, um, which is the cast, uh, well, some of the cast and some of the creators in a room and some of it's virtually sort of dialed in chat speaking about the show and that that was something actually they talked about was um like you, you, even in the english dub using filipino actors mm-hmm. and actresses uh and shay herself said she's half filipino uh and she said something along the lines of um it was great not to be able to have to hide her accent so yeah um i i thought it was amazing actually to also hear the passion of the creators of the show talking about putting this together and and sort of using real life settings and you know that and actually having it set in somewhere like you know obviously not in japan or right. somewhere else you know like you know actually having a, an anime that's set in the philippines and yeah um and just yeah and that some of the creators are even saying about things like um uh, the episode where it's set the playstation with the graveyards and stuff like that and one yeah. of them was saying about how they well, he made a joke going, I don't live in the graveyard, but like, you know, I live near the graveyard and, and, and you, know, it's, you know, I know that area and it's just so amazing to see it. And I think I said yeah. that to you before, we've done other reviews because a lot of the time um, American comics, which I love, are obviously set in America. And yeah. what I love is occasionally picking up a, a comic book, which is set in, in the UK. And so, you know, it's kind of, and even like when we watched, um, uh, I forgot the name of the film, but we re- reviewed a film that we watched, and most of it was set in, in the in the UK. And I was like, you know, it, you know, it's great to sometimes see your own neck of the woods on the telly or the exactly. Or the exactly. So you can imagine these Filipino um, creators and actors and actresses don't have much big big stuff set in their own neck of the woods. So to right. actually have a Netflix animated TV show set in the Philippines is probably amazing. So. I guess, like, jumping into sort of your overall thoughts of, of season one, just what was your expectations really going into this show? Honestly, I didn't have any. I didn't realise that it was going to be, like, in this kind of Monster of the Week serial format. Mm. Um, so that actually turned out to work pretty well, in my opinion. Like, it, it really felt sort of like a mashup of, like, Supernatural and, like, X-Files or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I, I really kind of enjoyed the 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 single episode format, even though they're telling like a, a singular story. Yeah, each bit starts um, like each sort of episode has a tiny bit towards the end, but then it's right. like the first right. four episodes tell a more episodic uh, yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And if I mean if we're gonna get down into the breakdown of that as far as like the overall season one, this was six episodes. Yeah. Uh for the first season and honestly they they were doing really well at the beginning and then the entire last episode was just exposition and I was like this is you you were doing well and I was pulled in but literally you have an entire episode where one character is narrating yeah. over events that have happened that we had no we never saw them we never saw anything play out because you know lately we've been talking about flashbacks and this to me was a really poor use of flashbacks and again they only had six episodes to tell the story so i can understand you're trying to stuff enough in there to get people to want to come back for a second season but that was 
I, I wish they had done something different. Yeah. To kind of. I, I sort of. of I sort of um, had the same thing. I you know the first four episodes I really loved. I loved the mm-hmm. episodic nature. Like like you say, it was a bit like X Files and Supernatural with John Wick as kind of a lead character, but, yeah. uh, but a lead but a lead female. And actually, that was something if you. Um, if you get when you watch Shelf Stark, uh, sorry, if you if you own it, obviously I know you haven't, but go and watch Shelf Stark when you get the chance. But they actually talked about when they were creating the manga, uh, the comic book of this, mm-hmm. that actually they originally um, their original thoughts of Alexandra Treze was that actually it was going to be a man, mm-hmm. um, and then when they were creating the comic of uh, Treze, they got the illustrator to draw a man, and because the creators of it were they loved sort of male action heroes, and then when they looked at the illustration for Treze, who was a man, he was like, "Oh, it's another man action hero," and yeah. he was like, "No, I don't want another man action hero. I want a woman, like, cause there's not many badass women, and um, especially you know, like a Fili- Filipino lead." Right. Uh, a female that's got to be so few and far between so that's when they went back and turned into a female lead so i i i you know loved overall in, in honestly i loved overall the season but and i probably did have quite high expectations going into this series mainly i've got to say <laughs> i saw the trailer i really liked the animation but uh-huh. shay mitchell is an actress i really love to watch you know, and I know, I know you're going to diss me now, but like, obviously, <laughs> go like, ahead and I, say it. Where do you yeah. know it from? <laughs> Pretty Little Liars. <laughs> <laughs> However, she was good in You too, like, and I am saying the first season of You, she was good as well. And I was a little bit disappointed that they axed her so quickly in You season one. Um, but I, th- I, I, as an actress, I obviously enjoy watching her on the screen. And I, when I heard that she was going to do anime, I was like, oh, "That's pretty cool." They've got quite a big name actress in this, uh, yeah. in this show. So I was like excited to see quite a big name actress in a in a Filipino anime TV series. And and I guess as well. So before my thoughts went into this, I did think a bit about uh, the Indune Chronicles, which is an yeah. anime set mainly in Spain and, and across Europe. And I know that kind of in in Indune Chronicles, they do jump into people places again like they there is a scene i think it's in season one where they actually do go to london um so i I thought this is really cool to watch an anime that's not set in japan or or um or anywhere in asia really and there's nothing against that it's just obviously it's just unique but to take the medium and then like use the medium in different settings i think that is is nice and it's it's needed like you can't every story can't be like set in east asia you know, mm. like there's there's plenty of stories to tell through this type of animation somewhere else. Yeah. But I also liked that this was an actual city. Like they they spent a lot of time in Manila. Now they mm. talked about the underworld and they talked about all kinds of other places, but the setting for this is Manila in the Philippines, and they kind of stick pretty handily to that. So so who was your favorite character or actor in in this first season? So definitely my favorite uh, was one of the twins. Uh, it, <laughs> the long-haired twin uh, Basilio he was so funny and snarky and I loved the banter between him and his brother um, and he was just like the like a playful kind of trickster type of character and when I first started watching I didn't it didn't click to me that they could be demigods I guess that just was not a it, my brain didn't go down that route so like in some of the fight scenes where they're floating I was just kind of like, 
are these demon children which technically is true they were half <sighs> half demon uh the the son of the sons of the god of war um but i just i loved basilio he was so funny to me he he was really good comic relief but he was also just kind of like a stand-up kind of guy like definitely the kind of guy that you want to have at your back in any kind of like fight sequence with these cd underworld characters so i actually <laughs> it's weird because i put down my least favorite characters are those twins <laughs> so, um I, i'll be honest the thing for me is i hated those stupid masks i really oh, did I like Oh, for me, I really hate. I, you know, there's so much I liked about the show. I mean, we talk about the, what what we didn't like later and what I, what, you know what we did and didn't like later. But I, there's a lot I liked about the show. But I really hate those stupid masks. I, <laughs> I liked it when they weren't wearing the masks to put on those weird starfish mask things. I just thought it really ruined it. Like. I don't know, they had a fairly serious anime TV show here, and then yeah. they just wore these stupid, like, starfish masks, and I was just like, what, what, what? And for me, I didn't overall love the twins anyway. I, I did like, I did like the, I guess, the protection of Treze and, and all that, and there, there was and there was a bit of banter and stuff, but honestly, I just felt those masks really, I know, I know that's a really harsh thing to say, I didn't like these characters because of what they wore on their faces, but I just didn't like those masks at all, so. Um, I loved the twins, I really did, I enjoyed the comic relief. Um, okay, so my my favourite character, to be honest, was Treze, I, and I didn't watch the, the Filipino um, actress, however, I did see her getting interviewed a few times, and she comes across as amazing, but uh, my assessment's more on Shay, so I thought it was really, I thought Shay handled actually being a voice actress well, I don't think necessarily mm-hmm. voice acting is, is for every actress, and, and also vice versa, and I, I enjoyed her as a, as a voice actress, I thought she played it very well, and came across very strong, and and, and adapted to all the, the different scenes throughout, throughout the story, and, you know, whether it was action or you know more and you know when she was doing the sort of the investigation type stuff and handled it every scene very well um and you know kind of had it wasn't just it wasn't it wasn't to me just speaking she actually did adapt yeah. her voice and it must be weird because that animation wasn't done for her face where sometimes you know when you watch like certain animated movies they kind of make the animated movie after the voice acting has been done but this was yeah. this was animation that was done and she had to fit around that and yeah. i thought she handled that well um in terms of the character of treze <clears throat> i i love that character and i yeah she one... was definitely strong i i love that about her but but not just physically like mentally too yeah yeah i think um there's one scene i think it's in episode five where she's jumping over like these rocks and they're closing up and she drops her phone with like this demigod on her mobile or something like that and i thought that was a pretty cool scene how she's doing like some sort of backflip thing over the over thing and dropping dropping this basically like a hand grenade into the into the thing and i was like she's a pretty damn cool character and um initially um actually to go back to the off dark thing they initially was considering Treze as a live action show and it was actually Netflix wanted it to be anime. Um, and I, I'm, I'm glad they made it anime. Maybe, you know, maybe one day they'll make it live action, but I think for now it was done really well. And I just yeah, enjoyed it. I think for budgeting reasons, like if you do live action, you're, you're putting yourself into a different like category. And yeah. for something like this, hopefully the animation budget was, was just right. I would, I would definitely love a second season. I mean, I, I loved her and I loved that the incantations and the spells and the chanting that she was doing was all in Tagalog 
um, as opposed to her just saying stuff in English. So I just, mm. I love the Oh, that was deliberate as well. Mm-hmm. They said that they said that in the After Dark thing. It was deliberate that the even though in the in the uh, sort of American English <coughs> dubbed version, they said it was deliberate that the spells were Filipino because yeah. they felt like that would be kind of otherworldly. And I, yeah. I like, yeah, I agree with you. I think that worked really well. Um, what, what did you think worked then in season one? Um, as far as what worked, I really liked the supernatural element that they were going with it was familiar but at the same time it was very different um like the way that she kind of worked her deals with the envoy from the underworld the way that she could call on that little troll guy in the- oh yeah yeah i love that troll the, guy from Suez. yeah the uh what is it nuno um the the way that she could call up that guy on the cell phone and he's like hey are we gonna play today and she's like no i just have a question um i just <laughs> It, it was serious, but at the same time, it was infused with enough like characters that you didn't just feel like this. It was this heavy, heavy story about loss and grief and and kind of finding your place or like fighting your destiny. Um, so I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I, I enjoyed. Um, and again, I mean, I guess it's just been a while since I've watched procedurals, but I really did enjoy the kind of monster of the week thing. However, by the time I got to the end, I thought like maybe you could have dropped an episode at the beginning if you were going to do just, you know, so many procedurals in a row, like drop one at the beginning to give yourself more time to tell the arc um, mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to get us to understand yeah. the motivation behind the characters. Anyway, but, uh, but I did love the, I love the tone. I love the lore. I loved learning about um, some of these like Filipino underworld characters. Like I, I just kind of loved learning a whole new realm of of mythology. So that part was really cool. Yeah, and no, I agree with you. In terms of what worked for me was that I loved the first four episodes, and I almost I think they were I think this show kind of this season suffered from the same problem as Castlevania season one kind of tried to do too much in the first season and I'm assuming for budget reasons they gave it six episodes where I think maybe a 10 episode season would have worked better however yeah. it's probably again it's like is there a fan base yes there is okay season two you can have 10 12 episodes or whatever it is you know or Hopefully even eight it worked episodes. out that way right and uh yeah so I mean I just kind of little little summary for myself like first episode here like you know dead ghosts sort of corrupt city official I love that whole scene at the beginning where she arrives and there's a dead ghost and who murdered the ghost and then it kind of leads throughout the first episode kind of leads to them arresting a city a corrupt city official and I thought that was really cool and then the second episode I love the street race and the missing girl and how she uses magic powers to win the race and I thought that was really amazing um the third episode that beginning part where um you see this lady walk into a um underground basement car park and and she's dragged under the car and it's and it's kind of like again like you say monster of the week type episode it's, it was but this monster was a baby like and and and, and and that leads us to into a sort of celebrity scene and all that but that scene at the beginning like even i was like my heart was like oh man you know like, i know this i know my this is animated and i know what's coming she ain't gonna make it out of that car park yeah, alive exactly. and um but i love the whole thing and then the fourth, fourth episode, you know, missing bodies, the morgue, zombies, you know, I'm not going to go into review each episode here, but like, I love those first four episodes. And I almost would have wished that episodes five and six just, just dropped what they did and kind of 
I would have been happy with six procedural episodes, to be honest. I really love those yeah. six, those first four episodes. Yeah, and I'm really I, hoping that them bringing that the God of War back, like, I hope you haven't, like, well, I don't think they have. Like, they, they kind of left it on the cliffhanger with that mystery character at the end. Yeah. But... Like you could have saved that battle because we could tell that he was a really big bad character. You could have saved that for another season. Yeah, they could, they could have alluded could have ended it to at the stuff. prison and left it on a major major cliffhanger just with the reveal that the the God of War was inside Guerrero's body the whole time. That could have yeah, been well, yeah, they could. No, I actually did think maybe they could have shoved episode five into episode six and and yeah had another episode i, I don't know there was there was a different way they could have structured the show but mm-hmm. um and, yeah and, and really just for me personally why i didn't didn't enjoy it was those last two episodes i didn't like the two episodes the last two episodes if totally honest I, I just felt they were so out of place compared to the first four episodes um but yeah i mean i guess it's kind of a nice little segue now into the structure of season one i mean how, how did you what did you think on on the writing of the show oh i loved it um i thought it was it it left enough out that it made me curious yeah. so that's always a good thing because there was never a time where like an episode ended and i was like mm, maybe i'll pause this and come back later <laughs> yeah. um it was definitely a- after every episode i was ready for the next one and i really wanted to know what happened so it just kept pulling me along um and again like i go i go back to the fusion but i loved the just interspersing of actual filipino lore of of tagalog like just the fact that you're telling a story that feels so rich and because they put so much effort into making it feel authentic um you it's it's kind of easy to forgive a lot of other things that are going on because i feel like you've brought me into this and now like i'm committed Mm-hmm. yeah no i i think the writing was done very well i enjoyed mm-hmm. the sort of the, the conversations between the characters it didn't yeah. feel it, it didn't feel like downplayed or anything they felt like real conversations it didn't right. it didn't feel weak or anything like that it didn't feel like basic it, it kind of didn't feel like i was watching i, I guess you know some 80s cartoon it felt like yeah. very modern writing and i think we've we've talked about yeah. this before if you look at like a, i know eight, you know it's difficult you wouldn't compare this to eight, the 80s i never <laughs> would but like I've, I've joked to you before about like 80s animation versus now how how things are written much better now and this oh, show yeah. is definitely handled very well yeah i really thought that um, the way that they handled her character and like the trauma that she had gone through as a child and like her father dying and she didn't even know that her father had died and her mother you know being murdered i think she didn't come out of all of those horrible things as this whiny needy character like sometimes in in general anime your uh, female leads tend to be extra whiny and kind of dependent and she is not that way at all. And and I, I try to get away from just sort of using like, oh, it's a strong female character because like there's, there's so much more to her than just the fact that she is a badass. Like she shoots guns, she does knives, she uses magical weapons. Like she's an all around badass when it comes to her physicality. But at the same time, this girl is so mentally tough. Like she went into this enchanted tree to do some kind of trials that I'm assuming are important for, you know, her familial line. But like, she was doing these trials for five years. And so the fact that she comes out and she's so 
hardened and different but like different in a way that like yes these things have happened and yes it sucks that I've lost my family but I got shit to do and I don't have time to sit up here and feel sorry for myself so I really appreciated that they didn't go that route with her like if if she's grieving or if she's going through you know mourning it she doesn't let it consume her life and she realizes that she has to step up to the plate not just for you know herself but like there's there's so many other things at stake uh so i just i love that they wrote a character that was able to uh, i don't want to say like compartmentalize but like they wrote a character that was able to overcome these obstacles and still do her job um, yeah and no, i i agree with you i think they, they i think they handled her character and her character development really well yeah. I, I i forget his name but the the local um uh, sheriff guy what's his oh, name yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I loved actually her relationship with him and mm-hmm. it was a shame sort of how he ended and I felt like there was definitely this I wouldn't say father-daughter relationship but there was definitely this bond between the two of them and yeah. obviously shit how and seeing his death at the end she clearly was obviously distressed and you know yeah. And actually, it was probably one of the first times you see her really actually taken back. She handles herself very well. Like you said, she's mentally capable. And that obviously was something that really got to her. I, yeah, I, I, thought, I thought in terms of the structure of the show, though, um, I think we've made some criticisms already, but I, I felt that it was the structure was definitely wrong during season one. It, and it did and it was a case of they were trying to do too much in such a short period of time and I think we, we've seen this problem happening in Dune Chronicles which we talked about like, you know the, in Dune Chronicles kind of was broken up into two parts that actually probably could have just been almost released in one go which may have worked yeah. better for it um I think Castlevania season one suffered from the same problem um Castlevania, Castlevania two onwards actually was a vast improvement um but this show, I did love the first four episodes. I did love the sort of supernatural procedure of the week. I did. I think. I think it probably, like you said, actually may have worked better from a um, maybe if they just spent maybe sort of the first episode, maybe laying down a little bit more of the law yeah. of her background. Maybe, maybe a bit like um, I'm just thinking of supernatural. You know where. Uh, it starts with the bait, you know, with the better, uh, with um, the yeah. mum getting killed at the beginning, or something, so, right. so, maybe something. Maybe they could have had sort of maybe an opening five minutes or something, and then the titles, and then jump into the episode of the week. Um, or sorry, Monster of the Week formula. Well, I think uh, they thought that they did that with the scene with the mom and the picnic and yeah. them at the, but uh, that that wasn't enough. That that wasn't enough for the way that you ended the sixth episode to me. I think the flashbacks that happen at the beginning of episode two, sort of all the way to five, I didn't find was enough to really understand what was going on for me. Right. Um, I don't know, like, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't really enjoy that sixth episode. I just, it, yeah. it was kind of like they wanted to end on a big bad, and it wasn't because it was all conversation. It wasn't really that yeah. interesting in terms of a big bad. Yeah, it didn't have the impact that. No. that- you would expect it to have because again like you you knew that this guy was bad first of all the first time we saw him he tried to eat his own children so like like they had established early on that this is a really awful character and it it bugged me a lot that the entirety of the sixth episode like there's a there's some fight sequences maybe a few minutes of fight sequences but for the most part it is literally this god 
narrating the past 50,000 years of I've done this before and the cycle is going to continue and yada, yada, yada. And it's just like, you, you are literally giving us new information that we didn't have before. We could have assumed, now big spoiler here, we could have assumed that Tresse or Alexandra was the sixth child of the sixth child. That makes perfect sense. That's not a big surprise, but like the telling, oh, well, your father killed your twin and this, or the fact that she was a twin in the first place. Like he always said her sister had died and put the sister in the blade, which I don't really know that I believe that. Um, so it's, it just, it, there was too much information. There was way too much information revealed in the sixth episode. And it did, it, it was hard to connect to it because we didn't get to see any of that stuff play out. Yeah, uh, I think I'm hoping that they kind of improve the structure going forward. And if you, I mean, if like the only, you know, we're comparing it to Castlevania. I mean, if you look at Castlevania season two onwards, the structure was vastly improved. So, mm -hmm. but that's probably where maybe it was Netflix again testing the waters during season one to see if there was this fan base and actually then mm -hmm. more money was put against it. And, and hopefully, I think from what I've seen, Treze seems to have been fairly well received. So, I, I, despite me not liking the last episode i definitely want to see what happens in the second season like i am i am committed to watching a second season of tresse yeah no 100 percent. so um what i would say is what, what about the animation oh i liked it it took it took a i would say about halfway through the first episode before it kind of like before i settled into it um but i loved it, it was it was dark it was moody the tone matched the story really well. Um, and again, just just seeing Manila as a location, uh, an animated location, like that was that was really cool. Um, the the people were vibrant, the some of the scenes were vibrant, it was gory, it was fantastical, it was gruesome. Um, I, I thought the animation suited the story perfectly. I, I I really liked the animation. I thought that they handled the whole underworld scenes really well. I thought the creepiness was done really well. I, I there was certain you know there was scenes like in the opening scene on the train line and you know where those creepy sort of vampire guys come out of nowhere. It's just beautiful animation. But the I loved as well the detail showing Manila as well. Like mm -hmm. I, I saw there was certain scenes where they sort of had aerial views of the city and the streets yeah. and that kind of thing. And I, I just thought they did they did really well. Like you know they they handled it really well. I really thought it was it was sort of really beautifully animated. I thought it was it was just. I can't complain about the animation at all. It didn't. It, right. I mean, it, it wasn't. It wasn't flat. It was. It stood out. Stood out to me. It was vibrant and dark in the right places. It, I, you know, there was certain scenes like um, I keep thinking about that ghost scene where, like, it was. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't flat, and you know, you could see the, the the texture of that ghost. And yeah, I just thought it was really done really well. The animation. I'm. I'm I thought that you know, even the like I said, the tense and dark scenes. Um, there's that scene of that actress who's in the bed oh, yeah. who then like, and then sort of the, the lights all flicker and stuff like that. And then yeah. suddenly the room's just full of those horrible, horrible baby monster, monster things. Monster spider and, uh, babies. Yeah. But, but honestly, that whole moment though, like the flickering and, and all that, they, do you know what? For an animated show, they do handle the horror really well. Yeah. Like, and it's not all sound, isn't it? So it's like the animation captured that horror really well. 
like when I have wanted if to watch the live like action that version. Very much. You should check out Jujutsu Kaisen. Um, yeah, well, definitely uh, not kid friendly, but uh, it is well, this was not kid friendly at all. Yeah. This, I mean, I've heard some people say it was 18 in parts. I would say this was just an 18 overall. I, I can't say it was 18 in parts. It wasn't, I would say it's just as it's on par with like a Castlevania. It, it doesn't have the amount of cursing and nudity that Castlevania has, but it still mm. has a bunch of gore, bunch of blood. It is very violent. Yeah, there's too, there's too much in here, subtext. Um, and stuff like that for this this is an 18 there's no question around that like it doesn't matter that the gore's not there there's the build up to the gore there's the tense moments in between mm-hmm. the the plot overall is for adults this is not something you can stick at anyone from 12 to 18 in front of this it's 18 plus like you know um, and i don't think it would particularly interest people much younger than that either like yeah man. I think it's too there's there's too much context and story for you to keep up with to mm. be okay for like eleven year olds. Yeah, yeah, so um, overall, so season one's come to an end. What, what, how did so? How did you walk out of here and feel like having watched season one? Um, yeah, so I I'm actually glad that they decided to get rid of the God of War. Like, yeah. I, I hope that they're done with his story since since they didn't push him into the second season. I hope we're done with it. Like, I hope this mm-hmm. arc is done. I hope we're, we're moving on. Um, the very end of the sixth episode brings in this other character, this female character who... Oh, by the way, before you say anymore, I love... I love that they did do that as a mid-credit scene. Like yeah. I thought that yeah. I thought that was cool. Like to do that, yeah. they don't often do that. In yeah. So watch but... it until the very end if you haven't seen yeah. it, because uh, you're gonna miss her. But the but the sing-songy tune or tone of her voice when she's calling for Alexander Tresse, I was like, oh, this is gonna be a bad bitch. Like this is gonna be a really good like second season. So I'm I'm they hooked me like i had my issues with the with some of the pacing i had my issues with with the way that they told some of the story but i still i loved the characters i loved the overall story and there's still so many questions that i have like what, you know to what degree was her father involved in this kind of stuff like if it how much of this plan did he really orchestrate is he really as awful as the god of war said he is or, you know, should I even be taking the God of War's comments into consideration in the first place? Like, there, there's so many questions that I have. And, and I would say questions, like, in a good way. The kinds of mm. questions that make me want to continue. And especially, like, in this day and age, like, there's so much, there's so much content out there. And if, if I finish something and I don't care about what happens next, then, you know, that's problematic. But I... <laughs> Again, I, there are some things that I found fault with this first season, but I definitely want to know what happens. I want to know what the next steps are. I want to know how this community kind of regroups and takes on the next thing. I'm much more interested, like you say, in the character that's potentially going to be the big bad of season two. I do hope they're done with the God of War character. He, yeah. to be honest, was the worst part about season one. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, me and you have not read the comics. It could have been handled in a much better way in the comics. Um, so I can't say, but what I, what I can say is what I saw, and I didn't enjoy his part of this story. Yeah. I think that the villain that they set up for season two could give what I feel would be a better approach, a much more grounded approach because a lot of the villains and monsters were although obviously they're supernatural and they're not real and they were grounded and they kind of felt 
Like, yeah, but the battle at the <sighs> end seemed very like overpowered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For what we already right, so they, for what we already seen. They'd set up a, a fairly level, you know, although they had zombies and baby monster things yeah, and, but those were and all ghosts. They, things. they, they all they felt yeah. Horse ones. yeah. Yeah, they felt very street level and, and very much in rain in, in sorry, in line with Treze's own power set. And then suddenly right. they've introduced I know I know I'm probably gonna overplay this, but they kind of introduced some sort of Thanos level monster at the end. Like, and I'm yeah. like, okay, Thanos mm-hmm. is far more powerful, but like, um, but they kind of it felt like to me they just dropped in this large overpowered thing, which probably could have been something that happened, like you say, in a season or two's time and had a build up to God of War. Um, however, I'm I'm thinking season two for me, I've got really high expectations, I think, going into season two. I'm hoping that they're kind of going to change the structure and maybe don't ram season two but yeah the villain of season two seems like they're going to be much more level playing field and this seems like someone who's going to be well someone that they can do a lot more with their character um, right and, someone that's going to actually be a thorn in the side not yeah, just yeah. you know there for one big battle but someone that's going to continuously give you trouble all season long oh uh, yeah i imagine that you're probably going to see scenes here and there um, okay. before we have our build up at the end but that's probably going to be a build up that's more deserving of a big bad sort yeah. of finale so yeah i think overall i enjoyed season one I've got issues with the bit of the structure, which we've kept, we've said overall. I thought the animation was beautiful, and I thought the voice acting was was really high. High, I'll be honest, you know, it was high caliber. Uh, it does make me want to try and watch some of the Filipino with subtitles on or something like that, just to see the difference. But yeah, I think I might um, go back and do that. I, I did before we recorded. Tried to see if I could buy any of the comics, uh, uh, any of the reprints, the graphic novels, and honestly, volume one sold out. Literally, so you can't get it. Like, so, I would, which I think is a really positive sign. If volume one is sold out everywhere, then uh, they're having to reprint it. I read um, that says a lot for the show. The fact that they've, yeah. you know, that there's obviously Plus they brought in the actual comic writers to be the writers for the show, not just helping to develop it, but they're actually, you know, have have some kind of say, and they're executive producers as well. So. Um, I think hopefully that'll help the show going forward. But yeah, I I was surprised at how much I liked it because <clears throat> it was one of those things where I I had seen the you know the key art on Netflix and I was like, eh, I could I could pass. But um, when when you were like, yeah, let's watch this, I was like, oh well, hell, if if Mark is excited to watch an anime, then I'm totally gonna watch it. So I was definitely I'm excited going into this. I was definitely excited, and I really did love the first four episodes. Mm-hmm. And I think the first four episodes are so different to the final two. Maybe the final two would have worked better if they'd have even put it into one episode, like maybe like yeah. a, a Which double they episode. Because they actually had their timing all over the place. Like their episodes were not all 20 minutes, like some were 33 minutes. And yeah. like they, they, they really kind of spread it out a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, which again in in a climate where we now have so much content i think that says a lot right like mm-hmm. so yeah i definitely want to know like they've they planted the seeds in the right places and i want to see what pops up next and how they keep this story going um so what what would you kind of rate it rate the overall i was going to say before we talk about ratings like I, I feel like if i gave it like animated rating and story rating like okay. i would Definitely feel if I was doing an animated rating out of five, I probably would put this up there as a 
four and a half, I reckon. I, awesome. I really thought the animation was really strong. Uh, Story-wise, I feel like the structure really showed down. So, and but I don't want to take away from the voice acting. So I probably would go with three and a half. Yeah. Okay. What about yourself? I think I'd give it a solid four in both areas. Um, okay. I I really enjoyed the story. I I really enjoyed the characters. I thought everybody meshed well together both the voice acting and just the character like interactions. Um, yeah. And yeah. And then as far as animation, I'd give it a four as well. Yeah. I just, I really enjoyed it. So a four and a half animation for me, four from you on animation. And um, I gave it three and a half for the sort of story and the writing. Um, uh, yeah. And the voice acting was very strong. I could have asked him my three and a half, but yeah, and you, you give it four. So I think it says a lot. We both obviously thought it was good and I would watch a season two. Yeah, definitely. So that brings our review of Treze to an end. Right, next week's episode is episode 57, and we will be joined by the good game guys to review Fast and Furious 9, or F9 as they're calling it. They're so fun. I'm looking forward to that episode. And don't forget, we did start a second podcast series where we tackle some of the most essential graphic novels of all time. Our seventh Late to the Party Book Club episode was They Call This Enemy, by George Takei, Justin Isinger, and Steve Scott, with art by Harmony Becker. That episode dropped at the end of May, and our book club is taking the month of June off. Uh, we'll be back in July, where we'll be covering a fan favorite, The Killing Joke. I can't wait. I've already got my copies next to the morning. I know, me right too. There. <laughs> you can also follow us everywhere social media, Geeks Unleashed, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Come say hi, message us, comment. Yeah. Say hello. We're Everybody... chatty, actually. Don't get us started. Like, once we start talking, we don't shut up. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast Google, Apple, Podbean, Spotify. We are everywhere. So be sure to leave us a five star review and tell your geeky friends. Have a good week. Bye. What's going on, good people? It's Chibata Boys. I'm Magic. And it's your boy, Kay. And we are tuning into Geeks Unleashed. The, the amazing, the infamous Geeks Unleashed. Tune in.